0: Welcome to the Jeff Knows Inc. Show with your host, Jeff Lopes, where we bring you the world's top athletes,
1: celebrities, entrepreneurs, influencers,
0: and their journeys to success. Hey everyone, I just wanted to jump on quickly to talk about one of our sponsors. Have you ever thought of starting your own business, creating a brand, or even sharing your wealth of knowledge to the rest of the world? Using your ears of experience to create something for yourself? Being an entrepreneur for over 27 years, I know taking the first step is always the most difficult. Hover wants to help you take that first step in getting your ideas off the ground. Do you have a business you've been always wanting to take online? First step is always finding your domain. Hover makes it super simple with a clear and straightforward user experience, easy to use tools and truly amazing support from their incredible team. Trust me, it's never too late to start. Getting online has helped thousands of people around the world reach new heights with their business. In addition to simple.com, you can get extensions like .shop, .tech, .art, with over 400 plus more to choose from. You'll be able to find the perfect domain name for your business, one that's memorable, relevant, and boosts your brand to new levels. Hover makes this experience so simple. You can buy a domain, Set up a custom email box and even point your website in just a few clicks. And if you ever run into trouble, help is just a phone call or easy chat away. It's secure, it's simple and reliable. Hover is a trusted and popular choice among millions of people launching any kind of brand or business around the globe. If you're ready to get your idea off the ground with the perfect domain, head to hoover.com forward slash Jeff. That's H-O-V-E-R dot J-E-F-F to get 10% off your first order just by using using coupon code JEFF, that's J-E-F-F, at checkout. That's 10% off your full first order. We're live, we're live on the Jeff Nozine Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lopes. Super excited to have on today, Dave Stevens. What is up, brother? Hey, it's great to be here. Uh,
1: sorry for your loss this week for the Blue Jays. That was kind of shocking. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you had
0: to start with that, right? off of the, off the gate.
1: I know. Just, just out of the gate. I'm so sorry.
0: Yeah, I thought they were going to go farther, but... <sighs> I think a lot of people thought they were going to go farther, but I mean, uh, God, I don't know if you want to call it the coach, yeah, the coaching. I, I, There's so many things that went wrong in one single, pretty much a two or three inning period. That like, how do you go eight, lose an eight, eight one lead? That was man, that was the last last thing I thought. Like I'm a, I'm a hardcore Jays fan, so that was that was pretty heartbreaking to say the least. Even if they had made it to the Sunday. And lost. Saturday, Seattle's got a good team. So great pitching, great team. Even if they made it to Sunday and at least lost a close game, it would have been an upbringing from last year because last year they won, finished one game from the playoffs. This would be a step in the right direction. This was just heartbreaking, that loss. Hard, yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. So you, you, you got your buddy on your shoulder. Let's, 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 uh, oh, pink elephant in the room. Let's, let's, let's talk about him. This for is Reggie.
1: Her. Reggie Reggie's a bearded dragon I rescued him a little over a month ago and he's really a cool little dude I didn't plan to have him um but he's just uh very friendly affectionate which you don't think the lizard world can do that and uh he just kind of chills and hangs out and we it, it's better than talking to myself because one of my boys aren't here I, I send I tend to talk to myself so he listens he doesn't talk back much he puffs up when he gets a little angry but uh it's all good. So uh, he's going to chill with me here if you don't mind. Uh, I, love I love
0: it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. So let's 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 rewind it. Let's rewind it to Dave as a child growing up. How did baseball get into your life? When did it all start? And let's let's talk about that because I'm a big baseball guy and I think that's a huge part of your life too. Let's talk about that
1: well let's let's get the uh the, i guess the you just said the elephant in the room but uh for me you know i was born without legs and yeah. most people would look at that as a handicap um and i looked at it as a way to escape you know i was adopted so strike 1 right at birth i'm put up for adoption strike 2 born without legs and the adoptive people that took me in raised me to just be normal and they instilled in me that i could do anything that i wanted to do so um i decided to turn my disability into my ability and learn how to play sports and so I started playing football and basketball and volleyball and floor hockey and then baseball really seemed to click uh for me as far as you know being able to play and hit and field and do all those things that you you leggies do you guys with legs and you know for your audience they're probably going, "Well, how can a guy with no arm or with no legs run on his hands and do all these things?" and uh luckily it's all on YouTube if you google Dave Stevens and Uh, legless or baseball or Dave Stevens speaks, you can see all this stuff, but, you know, learning that team sport and that team concept, it really kind of took away my disability to just be an athlete and baseball, just the love for the game, uh, the chess match that goes on from the first inning to the ninth inning. uh, It's just been great. And it's helped propel me to do some amazing things, you know, playing in high school. And then uh, I played for a year in college, uh, and then I uh, had an opportunity to try out for the twins and the Reds. I had an Olympic tryout in Arizona where I was in the same outfield with Barry Bonds and Odell B McDowell. And, uh, then you know, in '96, I got an opportunity to play for the St. Paul Saints in Minnesota. They're now the triple A team for the twins. Um, at the time they were independent league, yeah. and I walked in into the dugout, and here is, uh, Uh, JT Brew and Jack Morris and Daryl Strawberry and all these ex-big leaguers that were trying to get back to the show. And here's this dude with no legs trying to play baseball. And as Daryl said, it took the pressure off of him because all the media was covering me and they could just kind of leave him alone. So uh, it's been a great journey uh, as far as baseball. And now I put on baseball camps for disabled kids around the country. And uh, I'm a spokesperson and I know I'm not Yes, but I I, put, uh, I work for a company called ProStance, which is baseball equipment. They're foot plates that you put down on the ground, and it teaches kids to hit. And they're like, well, you know a little bit about hitting, and we don't care that you don't have legs. So they've got a legless spokesperson pitching baseball products. So I've lived a blessed life. You know, um, I played college football. I tried out for the Dallas Cowboys, but I settled on a 20-year career at ESPN. I've been in TV. Now I'm a professor, so – uh, to make a really long long story short yeah baseball was good to me very very
0: good so going to that camp when you went into that camp independent league at that point with strawberry and stuff like that mm-hmm. were first off did you how did that did you play that season did you were you there's did you, did you, did you, did the trial yeah and-
1: i i i no I, I i played on the team i was them with them for three weeks i st- Started a game at second base. Um, I came off the bench a couple of times as a defensive replacement, if you can imagine that. And then in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Daryl Strawberry hit three home runs against Madison, against the Madison Black Wolves. And before that fourth at bat, he turns to me and he says, go hit for me. And I hear on the PA system, now batting for Daryl Strawberry, Dave Stevens, and I'm looking around, I'm like, that's me. And so I got to go and pinch hit for Daryl Strawberry. He could have hit a fourth home run, but that's the kind of guy he was. He's like, I've had a good day. You can get an at-bat. And so I took a called third strike, which was above my head, very questionable. But uh, I can say I've pinch hit for Daryl Strawberry. So, you know, I played with the team. It was a wonderful experience. And, um, you know, all those naysayers and people that judge a book by its cover, they probably were like, what, is this a freak? Is this a gimmick? Is this just, you know, but – and they started realizing when I'm shagging balls in the outfield and playing in the infield and hitting and things like that, that, you know, I'm just an athlete. And I think that's why guys like Joe Madden had brought me in to work out with the Rays and guys along the years, because they get their players to give more. Because if you see a guy without legs giving what I give with what little skills I have, you know, what's your excuse? If your ankle hurts, your, your toe is twitched, you know, whatever. And so it's been great. You know, I've sat in major league dugouts in minor league uh, spring training games uh, for major leaguers, taking out the lineup card, to big poppy, you know, uh, for the race. So I've had, you know, I've lived a Forrest Gump life. Like I've done, just things that would blow people's minds in sports, in television. Um, I got
0: seven Emmys over. I'll, I'll, we'll, ta- ESPN, ta- we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk about those. Those are, yeah, those, are so. those are glowing in the background. We'll talk about that in a sec. We'll, we'll, we'll let that pass. We'll talk about that in a sec. So, when you're okay, growing up, baseball. Who was your biggest inspiration? Who, who was there a coach? Was there somebody that just touched you in a way where it's like, you know what? This is this is one of the reasons why I kept going. This is one of the reasons why I kept moving forward. Like, is there a coach or somebody that that really stands out in in your in your past?
1: Yeah, I mean, my wrestling coach for one, who was also my football coach, but my baseball coach, uh, Joe Kenrick, and he's 88 years old. I just saw him last week in Arizona. We were going to play catch, but. The I love gate that. to Joe Kenrick Field was the gate to Joe Kenrick Field was locked. And he's Joe Kenrick and we couldn't get <laughs> him to go play catch. But um he he saw something I me mean, and he put me on varsity my freshman year. I mean freshman guys don't make varsity, but I got into a few games and I think it was that philosophy of, okay, look again, look what he's doing. What, what are your guys' excuses? And, yeah. and for him to believe in me and for parents to come to him and say, my kid has legs. How can a kid with no legs beat out my kid? I mean, all of those things that I didn't know about at the time that I found out later that, you know, that must have been pretty powerful for a parent to go, hey, if my kid, how bad is my kid if a legless kid can beat him out of the outfield, you know, in high school? So, uh, you know, Joe just let me play and and worked with me. And, and you know, you, you put a guy without legs in right field, you think that is just ridiculous. You know, why not at second base? Why not, you know, a catcher yeah. or whatever? Um, but he saw something and he instilled in that. And it gave me the confidence to play other sports. Um, you know, get a chip on my shoulder. Because again, everybody's staring at me every moment of my life. And I have to, you know, I got to give them a show. So it's one of those things where sports has allowed people to stare at me with either admiration and awe or just taking your breath away. But I think it also gives people a sense that, hey, man, I judged a book by its cover. And if if he can do that with without legs, there must be gifts in other people that we don't see inside, you know. So I've been trying to do that for my entire life is to just show people the difference between sympathy and empathy, you know, to not feel sorry for me, to get to know me and realize that people with disabilities are the largest minority in the world. We make up 20% of the population, but we have the smallest voice. So when you get a guy like myself or a Jim Abbott or a Shaquem Griffin who played with one hand in the NFL, uh, all these guys that have overcome so much to get so far, you realize, hey, if I've got that inside, how do I pull that out? How do I get the most so I'm not, you know, bitching and complaining when I see others that have it worse? Because I'm the same way. I look at others and I'm like, I'm lucky. I can see, I can walk, I can play with my sons baseball. You know, pers- 18, pers- 16 pers-
0: Perspective, perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I love that. How, how, how many, how many, uh, how many boys you say you had? You have three.
1: Three boys, 18, uh, 16, and 14, they've all played baseball, um, and it's been great to live vicariously through them. My son's (laughs) a catcher. Uh, My my middle son, he's 16, looks like me, uh, talks like me. Um, He's doomed in life for his his, uh, 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 sense of humor that I have because I have a (laughs) warped sense of humor. And my ex-wife says all the time, you're just like your father, you know? Uh, So... I'm so lucky. Like I said, you know, sports and life without legs, that was easy. Being a parent with a disability is a bigger challenge because, you know, doing diapers, pushing strollers, getting in the car, all those things that I had to do, um, you know, it, it made me a better person, but it also helped my kids to also realize, you know, what others go through and the struggles that others have. So it it's it's been wonderful. It's the greatest thing I've ever done.
0: Yeah. Fatherhood. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, anybody knows me, like I've been an entrepreneur for 27 years and, and father is like, I wrote a book called entrepreneurial dad. Like I fatherhood is a huge part of what I do. And, and, and I, I appreciate what you're saying there because my son, and I'll give you a quick, like two little second. I talk about all the time, little cold zone on my son. My son was born with CP several palsy. And he went from possible wheelchair to braces to AFOs to running. And now and he's a baseball player. He's a little lefty. He's four he's 105 Braves. pounds, so wet lefty. And if you see my my page, uh he just he just hit 66 miles an hour the other day as a six as a 105 soaking and wet lefty. And he was not supposed to be a lefty. He's actually naturally a right-handed, but with the brain damage at birth, his right side was by which is now with all the physiotherapy and the exercises, has leveled it out. But he learned how to do everything with his left hand as a kid. So he's learned how to throw, and he's obsessed with baseball. And um, so baseball is a huge part of our our family as well, right? Seeing doing everything with him and all that. So I love that. And, uh, and Jeff, and lo- you
1: probably you you probably had doctors that said, "Oh, well, if he can, if we can get him to walk,
0: that's going to be a great thing." You know, all those oh, kind of people. Oh, uh, they, they they didn't expect that. They didn't expect that. So we started from a very young age. Um, we got him back. home home at four months old and at four months old uh dave i i started an obsession this obsession where i wanted to make sure i gave him every single inch of opportunity because my biggest fear was to turn six years old and look at my son and think the time has passed and i didn't give him the opportunity so i did everything i possibly could from every type of flight therapy to massage therapy to exercise he's 14 he's my workout partner we go to the gym every day together and it was it was a situation where when he when he got out of his our goal, we set a goal from like five years old at twelve years old, he would be out of his braces. So he started braces at just her before five. And every doctor's like, no, he'll be embraced at least till he's 20. And by his 12th birthday, out of his braces, day before his 13th birthday, we ran the first marathon together. So it's been this incredible journey, right? So and and it's just perspective, right? Like exactly we said, if you're if you were to sit back and 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 it was, it's so crazy because me and my wife, and I love her to death, and I've been married for 19 years, she's a polo officer, she she's like trust the medical system follow them and i'm like screw them i don't I, I i would cancel appointments do my own shit with them do my own stretching with him and 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 i and i would do every type of research i possibly could or every type of person i possibly could that I would give even a slight chance to get a little half a percent better i would i would reach out to those people and so i'm a strong believer that uh, your mind's very powerful and, and if you have the passion the purpose i mean things things could change right so i i love i love that's when i reached out to you and i had i've had on zion clark on our on our podcast too and uh Mm -hmm. but um when i saw you and i mean i i I was i was obviously inspired to have you on the show but i mean the baseball connection is is a bonus and that you with your kids and all that so you're looking at your your three kids they still actively play baseball yeah my uh my My 18 year old played on a summer league
1: team with my 16 year old. And now we're playing fall ball where my 16 year old and my 14 year old are on the same team. So it's really, there's nothing like that when you see your sons hitting back to back or making a play to each other or something like that. Like I, I, those are even more greater moments than you know pinch yeah. hitting for daryl strawberry and stuff like that yeah and you know i mean the, yeah. the little victories that you've had jeff with your yeah. son
0: yeah i mean those are world series moments for you oh, as a hundred percent hundred percent so when you look at your boys is there any uh uh is there a hope for college ball like where where, where is their mindset with playing how far do they want to take it
1: I think the middle one, they're not going to watch this podcast. So my middle one has all the talent. Um, I think he got my baseball skills without my lack of legs. So, yeah. uh, you know, he's a little faster than I am, but uh, <laughs> he's a great catcher. That's the position I always wanted to play was a catcher. And yeah. you control the game. You're the quarterback of the game. Um, and and so it's been great to see him get overused over the years because he's the great catcher. And so he's catching bullpen sessions and practice and everything. but. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I don't know if he's my retirement, but I think he's got the ability to at least play some college ball somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, you know, continue, continue that. Because like I said, it's, it's once, once your, your game is over and your past, I keep trying to, you know, get back and play. I played in a softball game and, uh, uh, the Rangers stadium this year, a celebrity softball game. And to just play before 10,000 fans again and feel that, that just that amazing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things that I'm 56, I'll be 57 next year. I'm supposed to go to Ireland and play football with an American uh, football team. So I may do that, you know, uh, uh, we'll, I'll get back to you if I'm going to be able to <laughs> put on the pads and the helmet and everything. But uh, you know, I'm, I, can't continue to do this on my arms, but I'm I'm going to continue to try to inspire and motivate. And, you know, I've got my podcast, so it's great to be a guest on your show and to just kind of, you know, let people see different perspectives of life, like what you're you're telling me about your son. I mean, that's just to me. I could talk to you for an hour or two about like what you've done and what you've yeah. overcome. You've overcome more than I have. You know, I just did it by myself. You have become a coach, doctor, therapist, yeah. uh, you know, trainer you know, all these things that you weren't prepared for as a parent, which to me is, is even more love because of what you've done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's crazy is, is I've, I'm asked this. Yeah. I've been a guest on about 120, 120 podcasts last year and a half myself. And, and, and I get this asked all the time, like, like a lot of people say, Oh, you're, you're, you're so, so lucky to have Because I'm, I, I'm a hustler. I've been a hustler my whole life and, a lot of people saying that and that's the opposite i mean I, I i'm blessed to have him because he's changed me as a man he's changed me as a father he's changed me my perspective of every little these little micro wins are so important and we spent i tell people we spend sometimes three months just for him to hop on one foot that was a huge goal every day two three hours just to get him to hop on one foot and when he finally hopped on one foot it was a huge goal when he tried out for his first baseball team. He was out of 42 kids in the trials. He was, he was the slowest runner from home to first he obsessed. And everything too is his mindset. He obsessed with it so much. The next trials, the next year, he became the third fastest on the team. And it's just that, that mindset, that, that drive, right. It just inspires me every day. Right. So I love it. I love it. Um, let's talk about TV. Let's talk about those shiny things behind you. Like how did that all start? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the natural progression of um It's there's a difference from playing a sport but being able to get in front of the camera being comfortable being able to relate to people talk to people how did how did that all come about how did that all start for you
1: i mean it it was uh, it's amazing you know i was on a tv show called that's incredible back in the day i remember that show yeah they came to arizona and they did a huge thing so i i got you know this whole celebrity thing going and they asked me on the show what I wanted to do. And I said, the two things I wanted to do was play professional baseball and replace Howard Cosell and work in television. And so I knew at that young age, you know, I knew realistically, I wasn't going to play for the Yankees, yeah, um, but I could go as far as I could. And then I could work in TV. And so I just worked hard, got a job in Minnesota while I was in college at Augsburg university, playing football and Worked local TV, covered the Twins in the '87 and '91 World Series. Beautiful, uh, you know. And I think we threw in a Blue Jays one in between there with uh, Joe Carter or something. '95 <laughs> was that it? Um, <laughs> '92, so, '92, <laughs> um, yeah, '92. There we go. Um, so, um, you know, I just I had this great rapport with 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 the players. Um, I was on artificial legs and crutches at the time when I was working and stuff, but I would do interviews and then ESPN would pay for my interviews. They'd say, hey, get, get Kirby Puckett or Kent Herbeck or Gaetti or some Vikings or uh, something, um, Minnesota North Stars at the time, and and they would pay me 250 bucks to do interviews. And then they said, you did so good. Would you like to work for us? So I wanted to be on air, but ESPN said, we want you behind the scenes. So I ended up going uh, to Bristol and worked there for 20 years. I've got these beautiful uh, uh, little statues, really heavy. Um, but you know, they don't say we give this to you cause you don't have legs in your handicap. It says because of your work on baseball tonight or whatever. So I'm really proud that, you know, and, and you can, you can sympathize with this, these participation trophies we get for just playing little league and stuff like that. You know, life is about wins and losses. And no, I think yeah. the younger that we, that we teach that there's failures and victories I, and I, you I, reward I, the I, victories and you learn from the failures and that's life. That's baseball.
0: Um, it's life. It's not it even baseball. It's life. Yeah. I, I talk. I talk about this all the time, Dave. I mean, I'm. I'm. I'm a advocate on removing participation ribbons from from events. I died from day one with both my kids. My daughter's 16, a super super athlete. Um, she had danced from four to 16. Now she's doing um, competitive track. And I've always had that mindset where you got to win. You got you instill that winning mindset from a very young age. That participation mindset is is once you get in the real world, none of that's going to help you at all so i love that you're saying that so even canada realized that the hockey got rid of ties right because i mean it's like why are you play a game
1: and end up tying i don't understand it in soccer uh football they really need to change in the nfl um you know and and so yeah because life is wins and losses you don't have victories every day and we learn from those failures i failed so much you know i had to learn to crawl before i could learn to crawl you know i had to do things differently. And there was no how to play sports for dummies without legs, you know? So it's like those failures ended up being part of my key successes. And I'm sure like with you and your son, that's the same thing, like hours and hours of training to run just to be third. And it's like the feeling of that has got to be one of the greatest things. Those victories for all the losses really, they, they overpower it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when you're, you're safe behind the scenes, what, what was your task? What were your jobs behind the scenes?
1: I ran the assignment desk uh, for sports center. My job was to get the reporters and cameras and satellite trucks in those days when you couldn't just put up a cell phone and be live. It's like yeah. you're bringing in the big trucks. You hire three or four cameras. We're doing, you know, 13 or 14 football games on a Sunday or Brett Favre retires for a fifth time or, you know, <laughs> all the things that, that we were covered, uh, yeah. you know, the good and the bad, the Kobe Bryant situations, you know, all these things that happen over the years, uh, You never knew what you were in for. Uh, One day you could cover a great story about, you know, a a high school kid, you know, getting picked to go to Notre Dame. And the next day you're covering a Boston bombing. So, I mean, it was one of those things where. So
0: you you did, you did cover the Boston bombing? Yeah, I was, I was the guy
1: that kind of broke uh, the news coverage because ESPN went live as fast as they could. And so I had to get places in Boston and deal with it. Like we found out about it, you know, as it literally as it happened because we were covering the marathon, so we you know we just like nine eleven when we had to get brought into that coverage and help out ABC and things like that. So um, it, it's been a great run. I've been in TV for almost forty years. Um, I run a program at Quinnipiac University called Ability Media, where I teach uh, people with disabilities how to be on TV, how to do stories, how to do content, and uh, we, you know it's been great. I took a bunch of kids to the Super Bowl last year. I'm hoping to to do the same thing this year and just continue to try to, you know, let people learn from this old fat legless guy that you know you can do anything in life that you want to do.
0: Dave, when you throughout the years you have obviously inspired, you've touched a lot of people through whether it's through your work, your media, or just in general like your charity event or charities you're, you're assisting to. How many times or give me a, a moment that somebody that you've helped or assisted or motivated or given that inch of hope have reached back to you years later to to reach out to you? Do you have that on a regular basis? I get it all the
1: time. And I I feel bad because I don't remember these people or they, you know, obviously I have a face that people remember, but, um, (laughs) It's just been over the years. And like when I went back to Arizona and people were telling me, I watched you play sports and you inspired me and you taught me to teach people, you know, not to judge based on looks and, uh, you know, the celebrities and the athletes, a guy like Chris Long saying, you know, we opened up our locker room to you for the Eagles because we trusted you and we saw how hard you worked to climb over pads and stuff on your hands. And and when you get professional athletes that, you know, uh, become friends with you, like JB Smooth, the comedian, he, you know, met him at the Super Bowl and we did our shtick and now we're friends. And uh, Lee Steinberg taking me under his wing and, and giving me an award last year for humanitarian at the Super Bowl. And we text and we talk and it's just like you don't, you know, people are are just the same. I mean, Lee, Lee Steinberg compared to Jeff Lopes is you're the same person to me. It doesn't matter that he's to his agent and Mahomes agent, but to develop those organic friendships where you're not using them because I, I need you as my representative, or I want you to get me tickets to a game or something like that. Um, it, it's just, it's very humbling for me because I'm not a hero. I'm not a role model. I'm just a guy that didn't want to take no for an answer. And so I, but that, I but, that, but, you, that
0: but that is a hero. I mean, as much as you might not realize it, that in, that inspires so many people. And there's different levels of being a hero, right? I mean, you, you classify yourself as not a hero, but I mean, if even if you inspire or touch one person in your lifetime, that's a huge difference for somebody else. That impact is that domino effect. Will that person impact another person? It's that domino effect. That you'll never see how much how much your work has done, which I, I love, right? And you're being humble about it, which, and you could tell you're very sincere about that, which I love. That you keep repeating that, and I love that. So. When when you're at that point when okay, so you're on TV now, you're 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 at that stage. Do was there a point where you're being pulled by too many people? Because obviously you got to a certain level with being an athlete, be on TV where it's like, okay, you know, I need time for myself. This is like it feels like everybody wants a part of me because of what I've accomplished with my disability. Is it is there a part that you say no It's too much? Right now, right now in my life, it's crazy because. Um, as you can see,
1: I, I have a podcast that I do called Gary, Stein and Stevens, a couple of guys in Minnesota said, Hey, can you do this podcast? And instead of it being just talking heads, I get celebrities and stars from my life to come on and do things. We just taped one, uh, with only the goalie, Olaf Kolzig was our guest last yeah, night and yeah. we'll, we'll air that uh-huh. this week. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and I got ESPN people and, and all these people. And now, you know, we've got, sponsors i won't say the name and and i have to do commercials for you know products Um, and things um, like that
0: for uh, things we 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 do
1: hair from you know so um it's and then you got to do more commercials and you got to do so many hits in a show and then yeah and and the worst the worst part and the best part jeff is now i have charities coming after me up the butt can you help us with easter seals can you help us appear at this thing and and they can't pay you And I'm a motivational speaker, and that's how I make my money, and my agent gets mad because I say yes to almost everybody, because it's tough. If you can, like you said, make that impact and make that difference in one life, it's like Ted Williams used to say, why don't you sit down and not Get that 400, you know, hitting 400. You can sit out the rest of the, the season. And he goes, well, maybe somebody never saw me before and didn't see me play, and I need to give the best. So I love I'm that. pulled around in 8 million different directions and areas, and, and I'm trying to do the best I can. Um, this is actually my third podcast guest of the day that I've been on. It was oh, one of those wow. weird days. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it's, 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 it's a blessing. But it's also like, you know, I went to Arizona for two weeks, and rather than it just be vacation, I covered the Rams-Cardinals game for the Disability Channel. I went to the Diamondbacks game for the Disability Channel. I put on a football camp with Luis Sandejas. I appeared at a function for charity for free, you know. So um, it's a good thing to have, but I really – if things that are starting to happen in the background – there's rumors of a movie deal that could be going on about my life that I can't, you
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, like, we're gonna, we, were, we were, we were yeah. going to go into that. That was actually one of the questions yeah. I was going to ask you if you had a documentary of, I mean, obviously you saw with Zion Clark, that documentary, how, how it impacted his life at such a young age. Right. Yeah. And, and obviously yeah. with your story, I mean, you've lived a lot longer, you've seen a lot more, you've accomplished a lot more. So that, that was one thing I was going to ask you is uh, so there is something in the works.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's it was up before seven studios. I think it's down to two, and they're like trying to figure out: okay, is it a uh, a docudrama, and do we also do a documentary along with it? And is it worth uh, doing a TV series like a Wonder Years for imps? You know, like and and because my life has so many phases, yeah, we're trying to figure out which one. You know, do you do you do like that Kevin Costner movie where he's pitching a perfect game and he flashes back? Like because, like I said. My entire life is far from over now, but the things that I've done along the way, um, it, it's going to be tough to put into to one thing. Um, and we, you know, we want to get a book going and and all these kind of things. Um, and you know, you talked about Zion, and I've had the privilege to meet him. Um, played in a football game with him at the Super Bowl, a flag football game, and I tried to mentor him. You want to talk to these kids, but some of these young guts think they know it all and that they have that chip on their shoulder. And, yeah. you know, I told them, take it easy on your arms and, you know, maybe, you know, flipping around is, is you know, is a gimmick, but what, what are you doing to, you know, what are you going to tangibly leave people with? Like, what do I do now when I speak? It's like, I want them to take away a piece of me in a good way. Like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get up. I'm going to set those goals. I'm going to, you know, Dave wakes up with no legs every day. What's my excuse? You know? Yeah. So it's like, I want people to see that. And when you see these young people, you know, the, because of social media, they're instantly a hero and a god, and everybody, you know, wants to see them doing crazy, silly things. And it's just like, well, that's going to be cool for five or six years, but where are you going to be in five or ten years? What's that message going to be when you're, you know, I've had three rotator cuff surgeries on these shoulders. I've torn this one a fourth time. I can barely throw a, a baseball, you know, thirty feet. um But I'm not going to stop, you know. And that's the thing. It's like when you, you. Just show off and do things and stuff for a while. So, and they so, look at me and you know, yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean social media. Like, like, well, social media. It, social media is a positive thing to be a bit, uh, as you're saying, it could be a very negative thing, right? Because it's that instant gratification.
1: Yeah, and I'm doing stuff that blows people's minds, and nobody sees my stuff. But if I were to hit somebody in a ba- in a, in the nuts with a baseball, you get seven million views. But instead, I'm teaching a little girl who's blind how to run the bases, and you post that, and it gets a little bit, you know, or a two-year-old boy with cerebral palsy catching a baseball for the first time, and it's one of the most impactful moments of my life. Why isn't that viral? You know, why isn't that on Center? So it's like we we live in this seven-second TikTok world where if we're not wowed by it in seven seconds, we're going to move on. We're doing the same with dating apps. You know, it's like, swipe, 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 swipe. Life just passes by so fast, and we're not looking at Jeff's internal life. Like, look at, well, like, you and your wife are heroes, and your son's going to look up to you someday for what you've done for his life. You know, those are the great stories that aren't getting out there as opposed to Kim Kardashian, you know, standing in front of a, a, a an Egyptian mummy thing. And they find out it was stolen and it blows up like all these things for the wrong reasons with great stories like your sons and mine that just don't get out there.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. It's, you're a thousand percent correct. A thousand percent correct. So when you're when you're saying that. How. Is there any way of changing that? Is there any way of there? Just are we as a society so obsessed with that that instant reaction right now that it's not going back right now? It's just it's hard to to take that attention now. It's so it's so hard to get that that two seconds of attention. Yeah, we've opened a Pandora's box
1: I don't think we'll ever get away from. And yeah. somebody invents a, a, a new platform or something or this or that or, uh, you know, and, you know, TV's changed. So we, we need everything. We need everything within five seconds. We need yeah. our news, our sports, our friendships, our texts. Uh Everything in life is now based on this little stupid device. And, yeah. you know, I'm sitting there looking at messages like I don't want to get, you know, with, you know, all these <laughs> kind of things that, you know, in the old days. You had a payphone. You called mom and dad to come pick you up from practice or whatever. And now, just ten-year-olds, twelve-year-olds, we are we are losing our ability to communicate. I don't know how these kids are going to get jobs if they can't do a job interview. You you can't text a job interview. Yeah. You know,
0: so it's I, like- I, I, I talk about this all the time, Dave. And This is another thing. I, I, I mean, I, uh, for our audience, I apologize, but I mean, I I always say in in high school, there's three skills, three courses that should be taught no matter what being make, make it mandatory and one one of them is obviously I say always say sales, public speaking and communication and networking. And I think the networking and communication aspect is so it's so fake because we're doing it through, like I said, through social media. We're not really doing that in person communication. We're not we're not building long-term relationships anymore. They're all they're all falsified through 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 social media and then through what we we think are is is, is what the new norm is, right?
1: Hmm. Yeah. And that's why when you look at me, what is normal? You know, that's why I say this is my normal. That's yeah. your son's normal. The rest yeah. of the world labels us with having a handicap or a disability. And that's never going to change. But what we have to do is, is make the people realize what that normal is. A blind person's normal is they don't have sight. A deaf person's normal is that they have to use sign language. That's their normal. The rest of the world labels it what they want, disabled, handicapped, you know, a car is disabled. I don't want to be named disabled because that's what you think of a car. Handicap, it's a good thing in golf. It's a bad thing to have as a human. So it's like, you know, I like saying I'm limb different or whatever, but, um, you know, in, in the end, um, it's gonna take people like you and your wife and your son. I I hope your son su- succeeds into the all levels of baseball so you yeah. can t- tell that story and he can show people that again. Don't judge us based on what you think we are,
0: but what we can do internally. Yeah, yeah. So when you're looking at yourself, I mean, you're now you said you're 56. Yeah. So now you're are you haven't this is your first time you're writing a book?
1: We're we're it's the third time we've taken a shot. Every time we've got an author they have backed away so we're we're in those stages we've gotten a couple chapters and now we kind of have to wait for the movie deal to happen because they may have a different distribution plan in their mind so uh you know it's kind of i'm in a million books um there's all kinds of books there's one over my shoulder uh pulling each other along that talks about the daryl strawberry at bat with a bunch of other stories and you know, I'm in surging toward. like I'm in a ton of books, you can go to the nice. Baseball Hall of Fame and I can pull out books, which is cool. That I'm in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but um, we're working on it. And, and I hope I, you know, in the next few years can really bang it out and enjoy it because I love speaking. I love talking to, you know, organizations and businesses. And, and the most impactful is kids. Because, you know, you can erase prejudice. I mean, prejudice is taught. It's not an it's not it's not something that we wake up with where we feel weird or judge people. And so if these kids can see this fat legless guy on stage moving around and they're like the next time they see a veteran or somebody in a wheelchair or someone with a walker they'll have a different perspective. Hey, I met this guy without legs and, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's not a monster. We are not monsters. We are just like everybody else. Your son is not a monster. He's a beautiful young kid that has overcome more than I did, you know. So, like I said, it's all about perspective and labeling. and, And as long as I can continue to, you know, showcase what i do and and not you know uh be overused like you said and be pulled in a million directions uh, i'll do it until these things break down or uh, i'm rich enough that i can pick and choose and you know make bigger impacts with we just started um the dave stevens pro stance uh camps with with pro stance with these guys they're going to fund my baseball camps for disabled kids and so now i get to go around and work with minor leaguers and major leaguers with kids that with disabilities to Let them, you know, try to learn how to play real baseball like I did, and not, you know, Miracle League and all those things, which are great. But I want that next Jim Abbott or Pete Gray or uh, uh, Tom Dempsey who kicked with half of a foot. Like, there's all these amazing sports stories with people that have overcome so much that we don't talk about. You know, Jim Abbott was an amazing story, pitched a no hitter with one arm. It's been 20 years; we forget.
0: We don't. I, I absolutely. Grew up watching Jim Abbott. I absolutely loved Jim Abbott. You're saying that right now. Watch. I'm going to show you something. Oh wow! Jim Abbott's rookie card. Yeah.
1: <laughs> holy. cow oh, that's great.
0: So I, I was. I, was I and I. You saw his documentary, right?
1: yeah and and I, and 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 you know we've had the chance to connect. We've never met over the years, but he knows of me, I knew him. and if you ever want to see a great uh it was when I was learning how to do zoom and do things during the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. there's a great Jim Abbott Dave Stevens interview. And you'll get a look and insight of Jim Abbott that you've never seen, because I ask questions from our perspective and not on the outside. Yeah. And he sent me an email after that saying, this was the best interview I've ever done. And no one ever saw it. You can; It's on my YouTube page. But I'll it really it is. Like, he talks about stuff. We talk about what it's like to be stared at and overcoming things and you know all those things that most interviewers would be afraid to ask because they don't have that perspective. And I just, you know, that dude, we need to get some sort of, I would love to see some sort of exhibit in the Hall of Fame. I would, for those I've, of I've, I've, Trump, I've you know? talked
0: about that a few times already. You got, yeah,
1: you've got Pete Gray who Pete Gray who played in the '40s with one arm. You've got Mordecai Three Finger Brown. Yeah, uh, you've got uh, Curtis Pride who played being deaf. You know, yeah. you've got all of these players that we don't know about those stories. You got Dave Stevens who played with no legs. You got uh, Dave Clark who pitched on crutches with polio. Who I do. Uh, baseball camps with with disability dream and do so you know i love that the hall of fame continues to change but this is one of those where they can embrace it and really show some diversity out there because that that word diversity has really changed it it kind of doesn't cover the world of handicapped and disabled it's kind of moved to uh ethnicity or a color and now we're left out again you know we don't get jobs we don't get opportunities because we're just kind of just, you know, we thought of, oh, let's feel sorry for him. Let's give him government money. Let's, you know, let's, and it's like, no, man, I, I've worked my entire life and I'm going to keep working and I'm not going to, you know, take handouts or anything like that until I'm too old. You just plop me on a Roomba and fly me around the room on some big, heavy industrial strength Roomba, you know,
0: <sighs> I, have a, I have a couple of questions growing up, your parents, what do they mean to you? Like when you look back and, and how, uh... Obviously, they adopted you. Like, give me give me an understanding of what they mean to you as your parents.
1: They were everything to me. And, you know, he was a World War II veteran, and my mom was a housewife, and they'd taken a lot of kids in, That they were like a – they liked to take in kids before they got adopted. They were just this loving couple that, you know, took in the kids until they could be housed and stuff like that. And I think I was one of those. I don't know what they saw in me that made me so special. They said, let's raise him. Um, But they were there for me. They drove me 20 miles a day to practices. They would wash my dirty pants and uniforms every day. And we were poor. We moved 13 times. I went to five different schools. I lived in a one room house in the last four years of my life with really no bedroom because we didn't have money. But every day they would drive me to school and get me after practice and do all those kind of things. And then Um, My mom got cancer and could not come to my things my senior year, and she died the day I left for college. And then my dad died a year and a half later from cancer, so I lost that support group. Uh, I turned to cocaine for about a year, um, just dropped out of school. Really, you know, uh, it's not a proud time of my life, um, but was able to overcome it um, and get my scholarship back and go back to Minnesota. And I've been, uh, you know, drug-free since uh, December of '86. And so I've had all of the perspectives when people talk about being an addict and overcoming this. And sometimes I don't have a lot of empathy for the addicts because if you don't want help and you don't want to get treatment, you're just not going to get better. You can do, you can go to rehab, you can do whatever. But if you don't have the support group and the people and stuff like that, you're doomed. So so I, I see it, I know it. I've lived it. I've been to the highest of highs, I've been to the lowest of lows. And my parents, you know since they've been dead for you know so many years, my coaches took over as my inspiration. like I said, I stayed with my wrestling coach while I was in Arizona. I saw my baseball coach who's 88. I saw, you know, all these people in Arizona that made me where I am. And I still, when I talk about it and I gravel around and I, I travel and talk about, it, I talk about I'm from Wickenburg, Arizona. And, uh, I'm proud to say I'm a Wrangler and I show off, <laughs> uh, you know, this, this <laughs> old helmet. And, uh, to your point, I'm coming out. I believe I'm coming out of retirement next year to go play in Ireland football, uh, full pads in Ireland next year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can do it, and we'll see. And I'll keep you updated if I'm going to Ireland to play some football. But you know, I I like the people can see me; they can judge me based on you know the videos and the things that you can see because I, I want people to realize that. I'm not disabled. I'm not handicapped. I'm just Dave. And I want other people to realize, you know, that the next time you see me, you say, Hey, Dave, or whatever, Um, just just show that respect, you know, that, you know, Jeff and I've had this amazing conversation. And I hope your listeners take it away that you can change the world, despite not having legs and have people see a different perspective of life. And hopefully, you know, look at people differently. And your listeners will hopefully look at people differently just from our conversation.
0: And I apologize if this is an ignorant question, but is your your disability is it hereditary? Like, were you fearful when you were having your firstborn? Like, is that a, was that something that you guys went through, to kind of conversation-wise?
1: It's, it's a great it's a great question because I didn't know we we were told when I was born that I was suffered from a, a drug called thalidomide, which it was used in Canada and, and in the early 60s. But the math didn't work out, so all my life I thought I had this. And then I reconnected with my birth mother a few years ago and my birth father, um, which was not a Hollywood ending that you always dream about. Um, But, you know, it wasn't anything that we thought of. So I'd had this whole narrative my entire life of saying I was a thalidomide baby and blah, blah, blah. But the math never, it just never worked out. And the doctor said, it's just a, it's just a, a fluke. And so I'm, I'm I'm called a, a congenital amputee even though nothing got cut off and uh, I'm very lucky that I have all the parts that I need as far as uh, parenting and all those things we'll keep it G-rated. Yeah. Um but uh, girls always that's one of the first questions girls want to ask and it's just like you know whatever. Um, but uh, but you know so I I Was
0: that a good pickup? Know, I,
1: Is that a good pickup line when you're younger? Well, you know, when you say a part of your body drags the ground when you walk, it must be impressive to women, you know, like, oh, you know, um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I, I it was that you did take a sigh of relief when those babies pop out and they've got two arms and two legs and two eyes and everything. And, uh, OK, cool. They don't look like me, um, but now they do look more like me and my middle one, like I said, acts like me. So uh, I, I'm just blessed all around, Jeff, that, that I've had a very normal life. In fact, a life that most people would dream about. Dream of. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I was about yeah. to say that. What, what if, if you could just put fatherhood in, in, in a little bubble, what, what does fatherhood mean to you? When you look at your voice. Fatherhood has
1: been, it's been like a life do over for the mistakes you made as, as a child for your parents and what you would like to see people become. And it has been, it's been just life changing, you know. Yeah. I, I people ask, "What's the greatest moment in your life?" Was it, you know, trying out for the Cowboys? Was it pinch hitting for Daryl Strawberry? Mm-hmm. It was like, no. On Christmas Eve, my first son was born, and that was the greatest thing Christmas, of my life. Christmas Eve, full, huh? Yeah. Christmas Eve, yeah. Three days of labor and uh, uterus that was too small to come out, and so we, you know, got him out. And uh, it's a pain at Christmas, but we try to separate it. But just, just to have that, and to, you know, for me. The biggest challenge is to give them that normal life as a parent, you know, when I'm pushing a stroller in the beginning on artificial legs and two babies in a stroller and getting them into a car and getting them out and doing all those things of lifting and stuff you sort of need legs for, but not wanting them to ever realize it was any different than any other kid. And so it's very intimate. I don't have a lot of pictures of videos of when I was parenting because it's just like you figure out ways to, you know my kids learned how to climb up and down the stairs a lot younger because I'd get them out of the crib and it'd be like, I'd hop them down one step at a time, holding them to get downstairs. And then they figured out oh, I could crawl and I'll help out dad. So it helped their development a little later. And, and, and they would go and get things and bring me diapers and, and stuff like that. <laughs> so the, the little things that, uh, you know, you teach. And now I'm embarrassed that I have three of the most wonderful kids that have never gotten in trouble knock on wood yeah. Um, that have never, you know, it's like you hear all the horror stories of teenagers and drinking and all bad choices. And my kids, you know, and it's not me. It's my ex-wife is too. We co-parent very yeah. well. And, I, and to, to have this continuation of amazing young men, you know, my 18 year old, a sophomore in college at age 18. And the other yeah. one, you know, the the third one is like, he's overshadowed by all this greatness. And you try to separate and give him more time and get him involved with things. So, it's an ongoing thing. And, you know, Jeff, for you and your son, like it, it, it's those moments, you know, this year for baseball for him and getting those hits. And then and people don't even realize what his challenges have been. Yeah. Then you've done the right thing. You know, you've done good.
0: Yeah. And, and that's one thing for both my kids. My, my daughter's 16 and both my kids from a very young age, we gave him independence. Even my son with his disabilities, like from a very young age we we're teaching them how to cook how to clean how to wash dishes how to do laundry like we get home and i and i always tell people I'm like my 16 year old she, uh, she has dinner ready she has her laundry done my son's sweeping the floor and it's those those little things and and that work ethic like my, like i've done well for myself we do well with all the other companies and stuff my daughter doesn't have to work and she's 16. Her first job's at a farm. She works on every weekend at a farm. And I did that because it's that work ethic, teaching them that work ethic and teaching them how to, how to be independent. Cause I think it's so, so important because I think a lot of parents are always trying to huddle and protect their kids. They're not allowing them, like you said, allowing them to grow and do things on their own. So I, I love that aspect of it. Two things that I, I, you're talking, I just wanted to bring in your, your real parents. When did you have that opportunity to know where they were and connect with them. And and you said it didn't end out that well. Do you mind talking about that?
1: Yeah, no, um, it was tough to deal with at the time. There was a, there was a TV show on TLC called finding lost parents, or it was some show where they found adoptive parents and they found out about my story and they wanted to do it. Normally it was two people per episode, two stories. And they said, we love your story. We want to do an hour special on your life and everything. I was at the Super Bowl in Minnesota working in uh, uh, four, four or five years when it was in Minnesota. And they flew out, gave me a DNA test. That's how quickly they wanted to move on this. And by the time I got back from the Super Bowl, they said, hey, we've, we've located your parents, but they don't want to do the show. And I'm like, oh, man, that sucks because it really would have been helpful for my speaking career. I was really looking forward to that. But they said, your mom wants to talk to you. Here's your dad. So I called my mom, had a good conversation. We met in D.C., had a couple of days together. She's got two kids that don't want to have anything to do with me. They didn't know about me, and they were upset. And then I called my father, and I had a 22-minute conversation with my father who was in Texas. He had three kids, and we talked, and he said, oh, I see you sound like a wonderful guy. And I said, hey, I don't want anything from you. I know you have money. I'm not out to get money. I just wanted you to know you've got three grandkids, and I've done Okay. And next thing I know, I get an email, cease and desist. Don't contact us. Don't bother us. Never reach out to us again. And then about a week later, I'm like, "Eh, maybe they didn't really mean that. And I sent a text and I got this text uh, from my dad that said, you need to go on Dr. Phil. Uh, You really need to realize that you're in denial, that uh, you shouldn't have been here. You were a mistake and you need to leave us alone. And so psychologically, in my mind, I got rejected by my parents for a second time in life. And that really, it really effed me up for a
0: little while. And, I, I, uh, I, I got goosebumps as yeah. a dad, like as a dad. And I'm and I I, I I'm one of the fortunate ones. My dad, my, I had an incredible father, incredible father that passed away uh, the other day, 17 months ago, an incredible oh, childhood. And just hearing that is just how, how can you do that to your child? Like, I just don't get yeah. it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I'm going to give you a little story, a two-second story. When we're at, we're we're very lucky. I mean, we have one of the greatest pediatric hospitals in the world, sick kids. And and my son spent the first four months of his life at sick kids. And me and my wife, at that time, we had my daughter. She was just under two. We would drop her to the daycare at six in the morning. We would head to the hospital. We're at the hospital seven days a week from like seven till six. And we're on the fourth floor in the in 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 the, in the IU and, and there were six beds and it was the most intense room. And out of these six beds, me and my wife would be usually the only ones there all day by the bed. And after a couple of weeks, I was like, I talked to one of the nurse. I remember her name, Marianne. And I asked her, I go, Marianne, like, where are all the other parents? Like, do they come at different times and we're not here when they leave? Like, we never see no other parents. She goes, Jeff, she goes, the reason your son's going to leave here today is because you're here all the time. He knows you're here. You're always talking to him. You're always, she goes, most of these parents don't want to build a connection with their kids because Reality is, it was a revolving door. The babies would pass away all the time there because they were so high in it was, uh, the, the degree of mm. the injuries or, or the issues they had. And she goes, a lot of parents don't want to build that connection with their kids, and they just don't show up here. They only come here when they have to meet the doctor or have a meeting. And me and my wife looked at ourselves and were like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And and that was the reality. And hearing your story, it just it just is heartbreaking. And how could a parent do that? It just doesn't. I just can't understand it.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's just too much. Way too much. So it's overwhelming sometimes to think that
0: parents don't parent, you know, from start to finish. So where I mean, like you said, at this point where you are and what you've accomplished and all that stuff like that. When you look at your life now and you looked at everything you've accomplished and everything you've been through and everything you've you've overcome and 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 all the lives you're impacting. I always, I I, I mean, I, I sometimes ask this question. It's very rarely, but I ask this question. If something were to happen to you today, when you look at your family, you look at your kids, like how do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be described or remembered by your loved ones? Legacy.
1: I'm going to, I'm leaving my legacy, right? Because, you know, you leave your legacy. I don't have legs. So, um. and, and I just want, I want everyone to realize that I wasn't a quitter. And my 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 family, I've instilled into that to you know when you get up and you're you don't feel good, you go to practice. You don't call out sick from work unless you know you got COVID or you know a broken arm or something. But yeah. um, and I try to instill that in, into my kids. Just don't ever quit. Don't ever give up. You know, just like Jimmy be said just you you've got to go out every day you have to set goals little goals every day i'm going to get up today i'm going to go to work today i'm going to have a great day at work you know all these little goals every day they're so important because we need to achieve success if we just get complacent in our lives and sit back and go Hey, I'm Jeff. I got this cool podcast and my businesses are okay. I'm just going to kind of coast through life. It's like, no, you're, you're, you're making a difference. You're making, you taking the time to do this in your busy schedule, taking away time from your kids and everything like that. And so I I want everyone out there to realize that we get one go around in this life. There's no proof that we get to come back or go anywhere up to a magic place up in the sky or something like that, you know? Uh, So we have to make the most on this one go around. And if you don't use your gifts, my not, not having legs is my gift. It's 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 my tangible thing to leave you with that you can look at me and go, wow, that guy did this or that or whatever. And in a bad way, when people are staring and I pick my nose, they say, that guy in his wheelchair picked his nose. But, you know, I have to get up every day and look down and there's no legs. Would that depress most people? Would that make you sad? No, I mean, it's just, it's the common thing. Like you either get up and live your life or you just sit in a dark room somewhere and just, you know, be miserable and yeah. and troll people on facebook and tiktok and instagram and twitter because we have so many more bullies out there than we had when i yeah. was a kid because yeah. Yeah. you can pick and choose and and you're anonymous you can say horrible things and mean things and spiteful things to athletes and politicians and co-workers and girls and boys and transsexuals and everything that we now can say horrible things about because we can run and hide you know yeah. i I've, I've been bullied in my life i've had experiences that you know, that, that changed my life from being bullied. But uh, if you don't pick yourself up, dust yourself off and continue to go every day out there with just wanting to make an impact in life, then you're not going to get the most out of, of life or the gifts that we've been
0: given. I love it. I love it. Is there anything you want to leave our audience with today?
1: No, just I need the support. We talked about this, man. My social media should be bigger than it is. I got hacked uh, earlier this year when I had a verified celebrity account and it, you know, Facebook is no help for recovering any of that stuff. No. Yeah, I mean, you can report, you get them every day. Some girl that just created her account in a bikini saying, hey, for a great time, and you report them. And then they say, this does not go against our standards. Yeah. So we're already being defeated. So if if your listeners could just start following Dave Stevens Speaks on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook or TikTok, and every now and then like it or share it or see some of the things. Uh, or my podcast on YouTube we're on all of the regular podcasts was was the name of the
0: podcast again it's
1: Geary Stein and Stevens yeah okay uh, it's a wonderful show although my friends say why isn't Stevens the lead since I'm bringing all the good looks and the fun to the show but <laughs> uh you know we've had Linda Cohn we've had uh John rocker was on recently which you'd think that guy would you know have changed his ways and he hasn't you know, changed Oh, he got on and I was trying to say, hey, man, can you apologize? Or, you know, people see you as a racist. And he's like, I'm not a racist. My girlfriend is Asian and her parents just got off the boat. You know, and I'm like, you can't say that in this day and age, you know? Uh, And then he talked about, um, he talked about how uh, MLB, uh, the drug testers came to, to spring training with the Braves. And he said, I'm standing there with five future Hall of Famers and MLB told us, as long as you do the steroids early in the season, you're not going to get caught at the end of the season. Like, you know, he had all these things that, again, if I had followers, it would have blown up on social media, like John Rocker. And if you if you looked at, he talked about he was at a Texas Rangers spring training game with five future Hall of Famers. So if you put A-Rod, yeah. Smoltz, Lavin, you know, you kind of get yeah. a picture of what that era was like. You know, so like, just follow Dave Stevens. We were Speaks we were to, we
0: time. were talking about that. Like, I I I built a couple of friendships. Um, I mean, uh, you, you remember player Shea Hillebrand?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: he's a good friend. He's of in mine. Arizona
1: selling real he's, estate now, isn't he? Yeah,
0: he's a good friend of mine. Actually, we're we're on the we're actually on the process of starting a uh, baseball podcast together. He's actually a good friend of mine. And, uh, like I've had uh, Brad Boone on my
1: show. Tell me he's come on my show.
0: Oh yeah. hundred yeah, percent. I'll get him on your show. I'll, enjoy, I'll do the intro. And she like Brad, Brad Boone and stuff. So I built relationships with a lot of people over the years. And when you look at that air, I mean, and you, and you pull out bonds and all these people, I'm, I'm a strong believer that these, these hitters were on steroids, but so were the pitchers. It was an even playing ground. That's why I, 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 I had, um, i can't think of his name it was the actual the the doctor for um he was the actual doctor during the seven tour the frances with lance armstrong i can't even think of his name is jeff something he was on my podcast and and i had open conversation i go is if if everybody's on on the same level field he was just better than everybody else and so you you look at that stuff like i'm a strong believer like there's a lot of guys that are playing majors now. This this the way they their tests are so different. They 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 have doctors that'll clean their systems out. So there's a ton of guys that are playing majors now. They're on. There's kids in OHL hockey and minor league hockey and single A, double A baseball that are on tons of stuff.
1: I, I somebody's I just, inventing the next thing too. Yes, somebody's out there doing yes. the next clear thing. That you can't find it. I've got a Barry Bond story. Um, it was 1983 and I got invited to the Olympic tryouts in Arizona, the Western region tryouts. So <laughs> I got invited as a high schooler senior to go to this tryout. And so I get there and there was a guy named Doug Henry, who was a pitcher, Don Wakamatsu, who was a catcher, yeah. uh, Will Clark. Yeah, Will, then, uh, he, was, he, he had a great, secret, yeah. great career, Will Clark, yeah. Barry Bonds and uh, Odeby McDowell were in the outfield group with me. Uh, Odeby was a future major leaguer, and obviously Barry was Barry at Arizona State. So I was in right field, Odeby was in center, and Barry was in left for our our drills where we were being evaluated. And in my day, I could run on my arms, and I made these back-to-back diving catches off of consecutive pitches. I, I did a diving one where I tumbled. Very next pitch, I ran to my left diving catch tumbled. Odeby's like, man, you're a hot dog, brother. I love you. And we became <laughs> friends. So the next phase of our, our uh, evaluation was to go to the hitting part of the field at Arizona State. So yeah. we start walking and I'm on my arms, walking on my arms. And Odaby's like, hey, man, you want a piggyback ride? I only weighed 100 pounds. then, so I got on his back and we're walking and Barry Bonds is walking next to us. And he's like, Odeby, Put him down, man. Don't waste your time with him. He's not going to make the team. He ain't nothing out here. Put him down, man. Just put him down. Don't waste your time. And I'm like, I'm like shaking because they're teammates. I'm like, hey, I don't want to become you, between you and your teammates, man. You can just put me down. And Odeby just looked at me and he said, man, that's just Barry being Barry. You know, he's an ass. And so that was in 83. And to be predisposed of my hatred for him <laughs> and then to see his skills. He would have been a, a a hall of famer without taking the juice. Oh, what a you know, question! That's the problem? What else question! Know? What else so, question! I've hated him. You know, I'll I'll write it in my book. I'm going to tell that story because Odeby and the others can, you know, sure. Barry can do whatever Barry wants to do in his third person. But uh, you know, he'll remember it. I'll remember it. Odeby will remember it. And uh, it's one of those things where you know who they are yeah. well before you know you
0: get to be around them. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I before, mean, there's so yeah, many. First <laughs> game strikes
1: once again, right?
0: Oh uh, yeah, I mean he was he was fun. it was fun to watch. I mean Barry fun. McGuire, like the Smash Brothers. I mean I, I, that was the era of me growing up watching baseball. Me playing, yeah. like, I played competitive baseball, and watching watching the Smash Brothers and the A's, and and, and uh, it was it was fun and time Jeff, for baseball.
1: To your point, if everybody was doing it at that time, then just put them in the Hall of Fame.
0: I mean, I'm a strong that, that, that I'm, I could argue about that all the time. Like I'm a strong believer. Even if you put a little has, asterisk behind their name, that's fine. But it, it, baseball, so I mean, that's the problem with with the writers and and, and the people that have the, the the essentially the vote is they're so old school, right? They're so so old school. There's a he lot of guys. heroes should be in there. Like, I'm there's trying, no question. The know? great one of the if not the greatest if one of the greatest hitters of all time. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. There's, if you he's, look at it, it's totally different. If the beat writers
1: on, are gonna, yeah. The beat writers are gonna need to die out before we get these guys in there. You know, this is the old the the Peter Gammons's and God forbid, you know, those guys that are just like, no, what you do, but you talk about Willie Mays and Willie Stargell taking uppers and downers in the seventies and Doc yeah. Ellis pitching a no hitter on LSD and yeah. all those kind of things in baseball history. They always were looking for that edge because you're 162 games plus 30 spring training plus. Ten to twelve postseason, you're looking at 200 games. Your body's not going to recover, and yet you want the best performance. So, all through the years, everybody's been trying to look at how can we recover, except for Mickey Mantle, who just drank his entire career. You
0: know, (laughs) we've been looking guys like Tim Raines and stuff that 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 there was a a a very a great trail of like cocaine use and uppers and stuff in his career, and he got in right. So you look at those, it's just it's just it's this weird like how they pick, and you look at guys like Fred McGriff. He's two home runs, I think, away from five hundred. Five hundred should be a definitely Hall of Fame. Four, I think he's got four ninety-eight, and he's not in the Hall. Like, how do you not yeah. put something like that in the Hall? So it's just it's, well, it's hopefully, yeah, it's it's very. It, when you look at the NHL, NHL is so different. NHL is like you have a decent career, you're in, and then in the major league, I mean MLB is totally different, man. It's just very old school.
1: I'll, I'll throw out one name as, as I know you want to wrap, but I, I'm trying to get him on my show. No. back and forth. Tommy John has 290 career wins, Yeah, you know, and it's like there's no one close to him and he's not in the Hall of Fame because he pitched 20 some odd years, you know, it's like, well, don't punish the guy, you know,
0: yeah, yeah, there's a lot of guys, I mean, we had Joe Carter here, Joe Carter, he didn't even make, I mean, the first eligible year he was taken off the ballot. Guy had an incredible career. He had one of the most historical home runs. Like just that moment alone should be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Even if you just put a moment in the guy's first yeah. valid was removed. I mean, so it's just and his numbers are almost like Kirby Puckett's. I yeah, mean, if you yeah, look at Puckett's yeah, numbers, yeah, but yeah. Puckett was popular, and you know, yeah. Fred was you know, yeah, it, yeah.
1: yeah. I yeah. don't know what what yeah. you got to do.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's interesting you're saying that. Yeah, that's that's it's 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 interesting in both sides. This has been awesome. Um, I appreciate this so much. Uh, I do want to keep in contact with you. And there's a few people I'm going to pass your way for your show as well because I, I think there's a whole bunch of people. Um, do you know Brad Johnson,
1: the former quarterback of the uh, Minnesota Vikings? It,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. The, the only quarterback to complete a touchdown pass to himself.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I think I know him. <laughs> yes. Oh, do you do you know personally know him or no? No, but he's uh, a I he's. He I become I, I become oh such a heart honestly. You, once I introduce you, you'll like fall in this guy. The the, the yeah. most genuine, good person. you it, It's such a good it's, what a soul in this guy. Like I adore him to death. The and, dude and,
1: is Mister. He's Mister TikTok now with his videos and throwing things, and he's become like those the
0: the. the, the, the he's the, reinvented <laughs> himself. He's a trick shot guy. So he reinvented himself. Yeah i love him yeah. I, I, I i he's so funny because his mom his mom i think it was his mom the other day made a sign for him so now he has a sign where he does his shots he puts up a, this little sign first that shows uh big brad uh, what does he call himself big bad big bad brad oh he's awesome so i'll I'll, I'll, do, I'll introduce you to a whole bunch of these guys to get you on the get them on your podcast thanks man this has been awesome well, thank brother you, this thank you
1: one of my favorites of all time so keep doing doing what you're doing and. God bless you and your wife and your son. And like I said, that it's those stories. My story pales a comparison to what you're going through and what you're going to continue to go through. And then what he's going to go through as a teenager, you know, those kind of things that you got to prep him for girls and all that kind of stuff or boys or whatever he chooses. Yeah, uh, You know, it's, it's those kind of things that, that, you know, it's like for me dating, you know, none of the girls in high school kind of wanted to go out with me in high school. Cause I didn't have legs. Now, they're like their old fat husbands i look pretty good to them now how i turned out so you never know how you're gonna end up you know you gotta twist that key right
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna send you some videos of my son too um this has been awesome brother appreciate you all right
1: jeff thank you